All right, well, welcome to Hot Topics. Uh, the voices that you're about to hear are um, Jarell Carper uh, and Bethany Thomas. Jarell is uh, a volunteer in our student ministry and a graduate student at Wheaton, and Bethany is our staff ministry assistant. Um, and today they're doing a hot top staff ministry assistant and everything extraordinary. Uh, today's hot topic is uh, anxiety and depression. Um, and so they're going to be talking us through a very actually colorful handout in comparison to what we've had before. So uh, Jarrell and Beth, feel free to take it away. All right. Um, well, I'm Jarrell. I know that. <laughs> um, okay, so we're doing hot topics. And I have a question for you guys. What makes something a hot topic? I think when there's controversy over yeah, how to handle the situation. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a great way to put it. Like usually, there's some area of tension currently, um, and so yeah, I think that there is definitely some tension around the issue of anxiety and depression, which is what we're talking about. So, Beth, you want to start out with? Are interesting facts. Sure. Um, we took a quote from Relevant Magazine, um, which is a really popular, Hi, well-known, um, it's Christian, right? Yeah. Say it's Christian. Yeah. It's, it's a Christian magazine. Um, and he, there was a, an article that one of their writers wrote on anxiety and depression, and I thought this fact was interesting because the number was even astounding to me, but he said, let's imagine for a moment that you attend a church of 500 people. In a church that size, there would be, on average, 140 people suffering suffering from clinical anxiety and or depression. Though some of these statistic, statistical numbers might include the same person experiencing both anxiety and depression, the point is that these numbers are staggering. That's a huge percent. And I also cr- wanted, that is crazy. I also yeah. wanted to note the word clinical. So this isn't like, oh, somebody has like anxiety tendencies. This is somebody that's like been diagnosed as clinically or undiagnosed clinical yeah. anxiety and depression. No way. Wow. So, um, you want to do depression? Then I'll do the anxiety. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, the interesting thing about anxiety and depression is that at, at, at the same time, they're opposites in that anxiety. You're, you're like, it's like an intensified emotion, and depression is like a not intensified emotion. But often they end up going, they end up working together. So um, here are nine symptoms, or I guess I would say symptoms, and the DSM-4, so these are ma- this would be major depressive disorder classified by the DSM-4, which is kind of like the psychology bible. So this would be like the secular. Um, if you're a counselor, you, you like this is what you read to like, this makes the official diagnosis on medical conditions. Um, and so here are the, the nine marks that they would say. Depressed mood, which I guess is up for interpretation. Markedly diminished interest or pleasure in almost in all or almost all activities, significant weight loss or gain, or increase or decrease in appetite, mm. insomnia or hypersomnia, which would be not being able to sleep. Was so hypersomnia I, sleeping a lot? Um, 
Yeah, that would, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like the polls. We were like, what type we of song? Like, <laughs> we were like, I think it's maybe really bad at <laughs> It could be that too. Yeah. Insomnia is actually the Greek word for sleep. Sleep, so. though. Yeah. Um, psychomotor agitation or sleep. retardation. It seems to be like there's some polls. Fatigue or loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt. Diminished concentration or indecisiveness, mm. and recurrent thoughts of death or suicide. And then anxiety will, a lot of times, it will carry many of those same, um, basically, like symptoms. Um, but there's also like there's many different like categories to, to anxiety. So I put this chart on there, and that basically has like the separate different things that will be on there. It's a little bit hard to read, but I'll just go through them. Um, so the top blue circle, and we'll go around the circle and then go to the middle, um, is panic disorder, which is frequent spontaneous attacks and avoidance. Um, the next circle is generalized anxiety disorder, and this will probably be the most common one that you'll encounter, is constant worry and physical symptoms. And those physical symptoms will be similar to this, insomnia, hypersomnia, like fatigue, usually like change in body weight. More often than not, it's a... It's a decrease in appetite and weight loss rather than gain, I would say. Mm. Um, and then, like, diminished concentration. You can also, like, usually couples with depression, so, like, death and suicide thoughts can also come along with that as well. Um, the next circle is uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and those are excessive repetitive thoughts and behaviors. Um, something that was interesting to me, like, as I experienced anxiety is I always thought OCD was just the things that people, like, did over and over again, but it can also only just be in their mental, like, thoughts that, that won't go away. Um, the next circle is social phobia. Um, I think this one's a lot less common, which is embarrassment and humiliation in social situations. The next circle is post-traumatic stress disorder, um, thoughts and experiences of horrible events, basically. And then the middle which I think also is one of the most, that's the reason why it's in the middle is obviously because this usually almost always accompanies anxiety at one point or another. And those are panic attacks, which are palpitations, sweating, trembling, shortness of breath, choking, chest pains, nausea, dizziness, unreality, fear of loss of control, fear of dying, paresthesias, and hot or cold flashes. Interesting. Those are just some interesting points for that. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I know the way the DSM works. Hi, Dave. The DSM works like, so there's these nine symptoms, and you have to have, like, X of nine right. to be diagnosed. Do you know how many of these you need to have? I think it's two. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's other stuff. There's other stuff in the DSM where it'll be, like, seven, but you have to have, like, four of them. Right. So you only need two. I think, okay. if I remember, I, think, I thought it was two of nine. Yeah. But... Like I'm not 100 on that, so I wouldn't quote me. Okay. I think too, and this might this is at least what I experienced in my case. So you two of nine to be diagnosed, but then there's different levels of your diagnosis. Like you may be diagnosed with a major depressive disorder, but you may be like in this category of major depressive disorder, okay. which is like on the low end or needing this kind of treatment. Okay. And then okay. there's other categories. Okay. Once you're diagnosed with that, the so there's a significant amount of complexity. Yeah. Okay. All right, so wouldn't be a good educational experience without a case study. We love case studies and hot topics. So under the interesting fact, we, we concluded that there's probably more people in the village church um, wrestling through depression or anxiety than we think. 
probably people that are doing that that don't necessarily know. Um, and so Bethany and I, and I created a very real situation that could happen to any one of us. So Kyle, would you please read our case study yeah. out loud? And then I'm going to ask you to break up into groups and um, discuss what you would tell this girl, Katie. Okay. Um, and then list three or five important questions that you think would be some of the most important questions that you would want to ask her. Okay. Uh, Katie is a young adult at your church. She asks you to meet for her for coffee to talk through what has been happening in her life during the last six months. Upon meeting, she explains the following. It all started about six months ago when I noticed that a cloud of sadness seemed to follow me everywhere. Despite my every attempt to be happy, I still cannot seem to shake it. I have lost interest in almost all the activities which I used to enjoy. Sleeping has become difficult, and I lack, and I and I has a lack of appetite. Uh, dis, despite all my efforts, God feels distant and unloving, and tasks like reading scripture, praying, and worship have become difficult. No matter how many times I pray for God's help, there is no answer. Shouldn't I be joyful, and shouldn't scripture reading and prayer help? Maybe I'm not really saved, or I don't believe, or I just don't know the Lord. All right, so let's see. How do you guys want? Let's do. Let's make four groups. Four groups. Um, okay. Just for the sake of a, another activity in the future. Okay. Um, so why don't we go? Um, Gee, three, four groups three, of three. 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 Sure. Oh, so I'm with well, these. Like, okay. Oh, doing a side. side. Oh, so kind of a side. Do it in sure. the corner, so it's easier conversation. That's okay. okay. So if like it's one oh, okay. us three, you three, and then okay. those three, and those three. So okay. So it's, it's all of us. Okay. 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 You're off. You're right. <laughs> I'm confused. So okay. you guys are with Joel. I'm with this one. Four groups of three. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. What's the what, what's the clear note? Because I would be learning this. No. You um. There's not a whole lot of space. So it's right at the bottom. Okay. What would we say? You're saying, what would you tell her? What would tell and what her? would be three to five questions that you would definitely want to ask her? Oh, boy. We're at the case study on the bottom. Yeah. And I would want to um, tell her that I love her. And I would want to ask her. No. 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 I think of you and being able to say, well, actually, this is what, like, God really thinks about you. Like, I think that's a really great question. And, like, somehow transition to get her to, um, you know, what does God's word say about it, you know, and to... You know, I mean, God's word. Okay, as, so as far as her words, and, 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 and bring her to the like, what happens? And, um, and, 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 and what has happened? Like, just 
escalating six months ago? Is there any circumstances that you would have made this way that you would have made this way that you would have made this way? I think that's what you need to find out what else you want to do. Yeah, that part of the um, what's called and how that has to talk to them and just I love the train illustration of how the train counselor I feel like can't be the answer right yeah what happened six months ago how the cats were and then how can we either crave and how great I'd be praying for right and what can she, you know, what verses can she, when she has those doubts, what's her emergency? And that would include something, something even before, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. Really There's definitely a spiritual thing. I'm having coffee, coffee but I don't want to go to that for Whoa. What has to be understanding of, like, yeah, counseling. Right. I'm interested in, I want to know, like, what does it mean that sleeping has become difficult? What does it mean, like, you have a lot of time? Is that, like, eight months a day? Does that mean that you're, like, not, you know, like, I'm going to eat five years and Sleeping has become difficult. I sleep an hour less because there's also an element where, especially in case studies, and I'm the guy in my classes that always does this, is like, what if she's over exaggerating? You know what I mean? And so, like, what does that mean? Um, so, I would want to know that. And I would also, I would probably also want to explore with her so she says, you like, oh, I'm sorry, my voice is very loud. Sorry. 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 We're, we're one group now. Okay. We're writing down everything you're saying. It is popping my answers. What else is going on? What happened? We tried to get her to do that. So when others pray, is like sitting in like your reading the Bible, like not as helpful as maybe like going outside and doing that, or like what if you like instead of sitting and praying, and kind of just trying to ruminate over those things, or um. Well, and that's the last like yeah, absolutely, yeah. There are some things that have to happen. That's a good question. Encouragement. I think, you know, finding mm-hmm. whether it be books or scripture that could be focused on. Which is kind of your all right, I'm giving you 30 seconds. Right. Well, and even what is what is what does it mean to experience joy? Does that necessarily have to be all the time? Um, yeah. Right. All right, guys, we're going to bring it back. All right, so let's talk about um, 
some of your observations. Sorry, this group. <laughs> <laughs> we know you had some. <laughs> Give me your spokeswoman. That wasn't one of our questions. <laughs> your questions was what would you tell? Well, um, okay, so you're not wanting us to answer the two questions that we talked no, about. No, you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, okay. definitely. Sorry. Because it's like discussing? what were observations of? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't Sorry. fit into that. <laughs> Freaking out to lose Jay over yeah, here. No. <laughs> okay, so um, we said, you know, what would you tell her? First, I would tell her that, you know, I love her, and um, then I would. Um, through scripture demonstrate how God loves her mm -hmm. and um, you know just to, to set that straight we looked at um, um, you know some of the I don't want to I mean I'll say two things and somebody else can say two things I mean I could go on and on but, but I mean just, just to know that I care and that God cares and God loves you I mean I think that's a starting point Next year. <laughs> I, I would tell her that your feelings don't dictate truth, and that just because you don't feel a certain way doesn't mean that God's word isn't true, and that what His promises aren't true about joy and prayer and so on. That His word is living and active, and then I would um, direct her to maybe find out what happened six months ago or what's happened yeah. physiologically. Perhaps you need, you know, deeper, like a medical thing or counseling with a godly um, person and to focus on a scripture because God's word is living and active and so she has a direction. And maybe share some scripture. Mm -hmm. She could focus mm -hmm. on Next group. And this is not to be in order. We can yeah. talk with each other. Yeah. <laughs> And if something uh -uh. something someone no, no. says sparks you, then you need to say. <laughs> see, well, we see. said some of the same things um, that the other two groups said, and um, also just you know thanking her for coming to you, being open yeah. to talk, mm -hmm. and um, and then you know being medical people, <laughs> whether she's gone to a doctor, you know um, there can be some medical causes or chemical imbalances that can and trigger that, and, and then the same thing where, you know, what happened before that six weeks was a major life change or situation that occurred that, Look in the scriptures, read the Psalms. God's pretty comfortable with depression. David writes about it all the time. So don't think that because you're depressed, God surprised. We talk about, you know, defining, um, you know, what is joy? You know, shouldn't I be joyful? Well, what is joy? Um, is it um, happiness? Um, and then sleeping has become, become difficult. You know, what is difficult? Um, you know, God feels distant. You know, what does that look like? Um, and then to use scripture to, um, you know, to go to scripture to respond to some of those mm -hmm. um, those questions or those answers. And then Kyle had a great point about, um, you know, like she said, um, reading scripture, praying, and worship have become difficult. It's like, where are you um, reading scripture and praying and worshiping? You know, 
what if you went outside and you know it just changed you know where you were um, reading scripture and praying like what if she went on a walk or what if she like just picked like one psalm and like that was all she like mm-hmm. really had to worry about like so instead of like I'm just going to keep searching through the Bible to find like this answer it's like why don't you just like take Psalm 23 and kind of just sit in that for like a couple weeks mm-hmm. and um, yeah I think the other questions I would ask is if there's any kind of self-harm going on. Like, are you doing anything um, to hurt yourself? Um, and I would honestly, depending on the nature of the conversation, ask, like, have you thought about ending your life? Like, I would, you know, if she was really seriously depressed and not sleeping, that makes her pretty high risk for suicide. So I would probably just ask those questions as well if she really seemed overwhelmed and with the eating stuff too I would ask a little bit about that maybe like are you doing that on purpose or do you really not have appetite and like yeah. and I would think that it would be great that she's talking about it and to engage some prayer partners you know who she could really not be in it alone but have lots of people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sounds good well you actually you guys hit a lot of you for the next a lot of key issues um, that we actually will continue to talk about. Um, but before then, Beth and I actually want to give you a little background into our lives because there's a reason that we are teaching this. Um, and you can probably guess why. So, just so, in order to spark the rest of the lesson and to give you a little insight um, into us. We'd like to just maybe take five minutes or so each and, and share with you guys the, the past, the journey that we've been on a little bit. So, do you want to go first? I can go first. Um, so, mine started last year in, I was trying to think of the month, whatever the month that Global Outreach Conference was in last year, I think it was April. So, about like on the Wednesday before Global Outreach Conference, I started having panic attacks just randomly out of the blue. I'd been feeling ill for about like two weeks and I had been going to different doctors and they kept putting me on antibiotics, which I've always had issues with antibiotics, but they kept like giving me um, reactions where I, it would, they would make me throw off. And that, I think always, my whole life I've had a weak stomach, so that just kind of like maybe put me in a little bit of a place, but I was already on this kind of like downward spiral and something was going on in my body. So the final antibiotic they put me on um, sent me into my first panic attack, which landed me in the hospital that night with Jonathan. And they basically told me, like, sorry, there's nothing wrong with you. You have, like, you just have anxiety. So they gave me a Xanax and sent me home and told me to follow up with a different, um, like, general practitioner. So woke up the next morning and, like, was going through, like, in and out of panic attacks all day long, probably for the next, like, three or four days. Um, And those are basically, like, what we read before loss of breath, like your heartbeat is racing, like you literally feel like you're going to die, it's like impending doom, kind of fearful, and there's nothing you can really do during them except wait for them to pass, and they Mm -hmm. usually last like, the longest they usually last is like 30 minutes, but they're usually done in like 10. Um, So Jonathan would just pray over me during those times and read scripture, because that's all he could really do. So probably about like a week after that, I had finally like, through like sitting down with Brianne, like talked taught myself how to like not let my body go further when those started happening um and once I started to get that under control is when I believe the like spiritual attack part started to happen and that's when um 
I started waking up at night and I would hear like spoken over me there is no God and it was it would just like freak me out because I had never had those thoughts and then it went into this whole thing where it was like are those thoughts that I'm thinking myself do I really believe this and so it was just and then those became like almost obsessive compulsive like thoughts that would not leave me alone like I could not distract myself I couldn't watch a movie I couldn't go out with people I couldn't sleep so I was finally got into only sleeping maybe like one hour a night Um, so I had had some people were like, maybe you should go and like see somebody because um, anxiety and panic disorders run in my family. I had never had any like tendencies for them at all, so it was just really random. Um, so with that, they were like, you probably should see someone. And <clears throat> I personally, I think, had kind of like my own opinion of anxiety, and that was that it's like, oh, just kind of get over it. And so I think part of part of the what I was experiencing at that time is like, I don't need, like, I don't want to take medication. I don't need it. And I don't think I need it. And then I also had like family who was also telling me the same thing, not on my side, but on Jonathan's side. So instead of getting medicated and seeing someone, I waited and it became worse and worse and worse. And it was literally consumed everything. And I was in a deep, dark hole. Like, I know you've probably heard the term, like the dark night of the soul. And that like, that place exists and I was in it Hmm. and finally I think in so they started happening in April I think like June is when I started seeing a counselor who was like she's like I don't even know if there's anything I could tell you that's going to help this because you know all this stuff it's just literally she said I think your brain is so messed up right now that nothing I tell you is going to help until you like get on medication like she recognized right away that there was something physical going on Um, So I did end up seeing a psychiatrist who put me on one medication, which made me really angry for two weeks, which was a scary emotion for me because I'm not an angry person. Um, And then ended up finally figuring out what my father had been on like 30 years ago and had worked for him. And so then they ended up putting me on that. And literally within probably four weeks, I was like, my psychiatrist was just like, he kind of just sat there and was like, well, I've never seen somebody have that quick of a like recovery, which he said is what tells me that this was almost entirely, he said it's not that you didn't do things or make choices like that made this worse, but it was almost entirely chemical. And um, so it would probably by like August I was doing better. Now I, I'm like increasingly doing better and actually as of this week I've been completely off my medication for prob- almost a week now. So I had four weeks of weaning off, which they said if if I was going to go back into it, that's when it would have happened. So praise the Lord, like, I'm medication-free right now. So I'm what they would call in remission (laughs) from anxiety and panic disorders. But they they basically diagnosed me with obsessive-compulsive disorder, which was didn't act itself out in any, like, physical ways, but was very mental. Like, I could not... Normally when people have anxiety, they can teach you things to, like you write down truth when you're not in something and then you can go back and read it but my like obsessive compulsive like thoughts made it so I could not escape them ever mm-hmm. um, I probably I lost like maybe 30 pounds in like two months which the doctors were really concerned about but it was literally like I was not hungry I couldn't eat Som- sometimes like if I ate too much like it would all come right back up and it was just because my stomach was so messed up um, I think like, I've, I've gone through, like, several very hard things in my life, and that by far was, like, 
the deepest, darkest place I've ever been in, ever. And I think part of what's hard about it is there is kind of a stigma surrounding mental illness, and you feel like people don't understand you. And um, you do, you feel ashamed, you feel like you're, there's something wrong with your faith. Mm-hmm. That um, So I had a lot of doubt, doubt, like, I think my doubt would, my doubt would cycle, which was the obsessive compulsive thing, which was, it would go from... Um, I'm not saved to, uh, I don't know if I believe that God is real and that would freak me out, back to, like, I'm angry and I don't like what the Bible said. Like, it was just this vicious cycle, and it was mostly, like, just my feelings were, like, going kind of crazy. And once those, once the medication kicked in, then it was like, okay, now I can address these things with, like, truth. But before, I literally, there was, nothing would work, literally. And I know it was scary for a lot of other people around me. My my parents sat hours and hours with me just telling me truth over and over and over again and making me go on walks and doing stuff that I didn't want to do but that's like how people love me well I had a lot of people praying for me um but so there's they still are kind of baffled with what happened they know like my aunt has actually been hospitalized for like severe like kind of panic disorders my dad's been medicated for a while my sister's been medicated for a while so they knew it was like chemically, I had the dis- predisposition for it, but they aren't—they aren't sure why then, because there was nothing really traumatic happening. And they would look back after they like talked me through my life and say, "Okay, you had this happen at this point, and this and this. And if you were gonna go into panic attacks, this is when they should have happened, but they didn't. So why? So why then?" Um, and then in November of last year, I recently just found out that I had numbers severely off in my thyroid, which is the first thing they did when I was having panic disorders was send me to a doctor, but three of them told me it was fine. Little did I know they didn't do a full panel. So I finally started seeing a part naturopath in November who did a full panel and said, oh no, you're like, your two main numbers are fine, but your other two numbers are severely off, which could definitely cause panic disorder and all kinds of other stuff, especially if you have a tendency towards it. So that was my personal experience. Thanks, Brad. Um, okay, so Beth seemed to be like a spike and then mm-hmm. kind of quick It's a very recovery. quick spike. So yeah. it's from like April to like I was almost back to myself like August, I would say. VBS, yeah. you kind of came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I would say that mine, I would say yours is probably a bit more anxiety based. Oh, it was. And I think there was depression in that, but. Yeah. But primarily, like, anxiety. Um, and so I think maybe a, a difference between our experience is that mine has been more like a big hill and not like this. And it's also been more um, more depression-based. And so I don't know how to make this five minutes, but I... Um, mine wasn't five minutes. <laughs> no, but it's okay. All right. <laughs> so I would say, like, for the last maybe four or five years, I've been like in and out of kind of depression and it looks differently at different times. But um, I don't even know how to start. I think I've always been a perfectionist and really hard on myself and that fed into my Christian life. So my spiritual life was really task-based. Like if I pray and if I read my Bible, then I experience God being close, and that's a good feeling, and I know that I'm doing well before him, kind of this performance-based relationship with God. 
um, that took me to Moody, where the environment intensified, where I could no longer be like really good at everything, and so I felt started to feel more and more like a failure, um, which got me down more. Um, and I remember just like going out in the city sophomore year and just crying by the lake because I I don't know how to deal with my pain like trying to play guitar like trying to get out of this funk and it just kind of grew through my junior year where I got more responsibilities and um, I was sleeping and eating fine um, it was mostly I just considered this all a spiritual theological thing before God like something wasn't right with my spiritual life and I couldn't understand how to fix that and so that eventually led me senior year to go see a counselor to be to ask him okay is something wrong with my spiritual life or is there something else going on here because I don't know how much longer I can bear um, soul responsibility for what I consider to be a not good state to be in, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, the not good state was just like feelings of worthlessness and just like deep emptiness and like God was entirely out of the picture and yet here I was studying theology, right? And... Um, so I went to see a counselor, and throughout senior year, we concluded he concluded that yeah, there are definitely things going on spiritually, but there are also definitely things going on with with my thought patterns and the way like my natural tendencies with how I interpret things and how I view myself. Um, which his his conclusion was my brain had kind of formulated these ruts that it walked in, and it just got so used to walking in those ruts that it that I couldn't really get out of those on my own effort. And so one of the areas of tension and controversy with depression and anxiety is use of medication and kind of the biological component there. Mm-hmm. Because what what we don't want is someone to just be like, whoa, it's me. I'm having a bad day. Like, well, people have bad days. Get over it. You know? <laughs> and, like, life isn't always a cakewalk. These things. So I, n- I was so afraid of being that person that I never wanted to admit that, like, I might not be that person. And so uh, we concluded that um, medication would be an, should be an option for me as well as like counseling. Um, but I, I was I didn't want to take it for a number of reasons and there's some people in my life that were telling me to not take it. So I was in this like tension of who do I listen to? And um, so I went through all summer in a, in a really dark spot where I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I had no motivation to do anything and it was just getting worse and worse and so I, I decided to come to, to grad school to study theology in that state <laughs> um, which is actually the, one of the best decisions in my life and in that January which had been like a year ago I started taking citalopram like a low a low dosage with hopes that if I got my sleeping schedule back a little bit better, then I could think clear, and if I could just kind of like get me out of the rut, then I could form some new ruts, and then I wouldn't have to just continue to fall back in there. Um, so this summer was really good. I worked at a camp, and I got to do things that were like physically active, get in better shape, have a better sleeping, eating pattern, get to be less introspective and more giving towards others. Um, and as we are going to talk about earlier, the symptoms kind of like spiral on top of each other, right? If you're not eating and you're introspective, it's going to lead to this, which leads to this, and then it kind of all falls on top of each other. 
Um, and so about midway through the summer, I stopped taking taking the pills, and I haven't since. And um, I'm definitely not free of the patterns that in which like I've made um, or have been made, depending on how you look at it. And I think that's part of my personality and part of the way I do life, and I think that it probably will be part of my life for the rest of my life. Um, but I think I've also learned its ways and can manage it a bit better. So that was my, our stories in a nutshell. And we don't want to steal the spotlight, um, but we just wanted you guys to understand where we're coming from, and um, I'm sure even people in this room can relate to things that we've said, let alone like the rest of the church. So here's what I want... Here's what I want us to do. I want us to stay in the same groups that we were in. And let's look at this chart on the back of your second page. Um, and as you can see, there's four categories. And what I want to do is get back in our groups. And why don't you guys take physical? And you guys can take spiritual. You guys can take emotional. And we'll take environmental. And what we're going to do here is talk about what could be the problem, and then also what could be the solution. So in physical chemical, you could say he's not sleeping very well, he's not eating very well. And so that's the problem. And then what, what are ways that we can go about trying to like relieve that problem? Okay. You know what I mean? And so in spiritual, I feel like God is so far away from me. Okay. Or you guys are spiritual. I'm sorry. So what, what can I do to help? And we're going to take maybe five, five minutes or so and try to fill up your box and then we'll share our, our answers. Oh, yeah. You can yeah. pick whatever group you want. Well, he should join them and Heather should join us so there's two people yeah, in our I like group that. that aren't leaders. <laughs> 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 we're learners, too. Yes, we are. So we're doing this, though, off of this case well, off of anything. Or no, off of anything, anything, anything you've seen or experienced or from our story or the case study or whatever. I know. I know. This is the one I don't I've had it, but it's Yeah, I think work and even my work. Yeah, that's kind of like a stress. That's kind of like a stress. And I like what 
Get outside of yourself. Right. A good comforting thing. I think it could be a problem. I wrote this. Obviously, a podcast goes to Oh, you're not understanding
It only lasted yeah, for about three weeks. Our brief stint. Yes. I feel like I have to have resistance. Yeah, so I think this idea, I guess the point is, I think two of these that I look at like that. All right, 30 seconds. Death in the family or divorce. Those are the kinds of things where, like, a lot of times those people are so strong and they don't think about it. Especially the first Oh, that's good. We can, you can say it to everybody. All right. Well, we don't have to go in any order, but what group wants to share their awesome wisdom with everyone else? <laughs> um, nobody or their combined ignorance. <laughs> you said it. So go, Dave. I thought Jeff was saying something. Oh, oh we were uh, listening to you, Dave. Oh. <laughs> so, under the spiritual category. Oh, good. So, go. No, you go. Uh, no, 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 you. Oh. No. <laughs> Age before <laughs> beauty, Dave. <laughs> come back. Come on. Come back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to keep the sarcasm. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll just go. Um, the theology. Uh, being off, works-based theology, Um, lack of prayer, lack of worship, lack of being in the Word, Um, having a sin pattern that we haven't dealt with, Mm -hmm. that we know exists, that that has us in a wrong place, which opens the door for Satan. And uh, in realizing that Satan is always wanting to attack and looking for our weaknesses. Um, realizing that God does allow the hard things in our life. Um, and we don't like dealing with the hard things. We think they're wrong, but they're for our growth. Um, performance comparison. And we noted something that is kind of a help in music, you know, just kind of helping us. <clears throat> That's her list. Wow. Good. That was great. So insightful. Mm-hmm. Very good list. I think one thing I'd like to add to that really quick is that, like, for a Christian, when you go through this, it's almost always going to have a spiritual component. Like, I think like non-believers who are going through anxiety like it obviously is also spiritual but they don't recognize it it doesn't take as much of a hit or i think like christians suffer through these things in a unique way because satan does attack because when you're down that's when he comes and gets you and so i think like there's always going to be a huge like when you're talking to somebody the spiritual component is going to need probably the most that was what we we talked about in terms of doing an assessment what's their background where they're coming from Mm -hmm. if they're christian or not or yeah or even if they're saved or not because um drawing a class last fall that was called personal spiritual formation and we all had to write a spiritual autobiography and all had to do some sort of project about our spiritual genealogy and so Mm -hmm. show three generations of our family of what we were inheriting spiritually at our professor's point, because there were some people in the class that were first-generation Christians as international students, and her point was that there's spiritual formation going on in your family even before you come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it is even being attentive to, like, 
those spirit, like the spiritual messages that go on pre-Christ because those often carry over. Um, and then they end up kind of getting baptized and then turn into a bad theology, which is why I actually really appreciate that you had, um, I just wrote theology of suffering. Um, and like this works-based theology, like I think the biggest issue in the church is that we don't have a solid theology of suffering. And so we don't know how to like, Go through the logical steps and 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 emotional spiritual steps to kind of work with somebody in that issue. Because if you you know you read through God's word and you see how many times people in the Bible were allowed to go through hard things, yet God used that. Right. And so you would never want to like I went through two years of anxiety, and it was what increased my intimacy with God the most. And I would never want to not have gone through that right. because. God did so much in my in our relationship through right, that. Right, right. I think on the patterns thing too. I know this is something Kyle uh, mentioned at one point in this class, but the idea of like the father being visited under the third and fourth generations. And as I went to college students, I quickly realized that that's not some mystical curse. Like that's just reality. Um, and even in our in my own family, my father struggles a lot with anxiety, and all of my siblings. Um, due to, I would say it's also like a minor, like a low-grade fever um, mm-hmm. kind of way, but we all view the world in a certain way, and I really always have to work against living life in this very like prepared kind mm-hmm. of way all the time, and that's not because of anything other than just as I was growing up, that's just how I heard the world interpreted and mm-hmm. viewed, and um, so I think that there's that reality too, like if mm-hmm. there's stuff going on in the family, mm-hmm. whether it's genetic or even just the way that life is viewed and handled, that's going to be passed down to kids. Right. Um, and so having an understanding of that as well is, I think, really important. So just on this, on this topic, I have a question. Is yeah. It might be a good time to ask it. Yeah. Um, if you have a... Like, I, this happened to me this week. I mean, it's really kind of, I came home from work and I was just kind of like... I was bored and I was, like, tired and... and grumpy and mm-hmm. and down. I mean, is that, I mean, it seems to me that that does kind of indicate a spiritual situation that you need to deal with, but, I mean, being down, is that, is that, is that in itself sin? I, I, I'm just trying to think through that whole, or does it indicate uh, another problem, something going on? For me, it, it's seasonal, well, it's seasonal Mm-hmm. Which I get this it's time. It's February. <laughs> well, now March, but and so, but I mean, I knew I really recognized it this time that I knew what it was. It's like, oh, I need to go do something different here, mm-hmm. you know. And the way I deal with it most of the time is that I get busy doing things that motivate me for spring mm-hmm. <laughs> and things that you know are going to come down the road. So I get busy with stuff and and I you know, spend a lot of time on things that that focus my attention on spiritual worship and and that kind of thing. But I guess the, the the question back going back to my real question was, is that is it sin to be down? <laughs> I mean, we would like to sometimes say that it is. I guess I don't know. I th- I think for me, like the biggest thing that I had to work through was that like when when all of your feelings and your emotions and everything are screaming opposite, that like that's that does it's your response basically that makes it like a sin or not mm-hmm. sin because. Like, if you read a really good book, I would recommend is C.S. Lewis, and it's The Problem of Pain, I think is the name of it. But he talks a lot about how, like, um, just, like, sin is so ingrained into, like, our world that, like, we're not going to not experience these, like, depression and pain and all these things until, like, God comes back and redeems it, basically. And so I think, like, 
because we're human and because like sin nature is in us, like those things are going to come out and they're going to come out in everyone. But it's how we like deal with them and react to them that that's when it becomes like, okay, I made this choice to like say, oh, I'm feeling grumpy, so I'm going to just sit here and sulk and I'm going to yell at my husband or st- stuff like that. You know, that's where I think the reaction is. I think like. It's hard to say, is it sin? Because we're sinners, so everything that comes out of us kind of is sin. But I think, yeah, it's a choice that you make on how you're going to react to it. And that's where it's like, that's what's up to you, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would probably say, Charles, do you have anything? Yeah. <coughs> if, you, if you look at the Psalms, uh, almost half of them are lament Psalms, hmm. um, which are people being down. And that, yet they illustrate a possibility of being faithful while down. Um, even Psalm 88 says, Psalm 88 ends with darkness is my only friend. Um, and so, um, and so throughout the history of the church, there's kind of been a response of that's actually not an illustration of godliness, but I would probably argue it probably is an illustration of godliness and that they're going to God with their feelings. I think a good controlling verse is I think in Romans it says, and this is like a really frustrating catch all, but anything done without faith is sin. So is it, if, if I'm sad without faith, then it's sinful. But if I'm sad with faith, um, that that seems to be righteousness. And I think it kind of also then goes back to like in this case study, she said, I'm not joyful anymore. Like, shouldn't I be joyful? And like, doesn't, and if I'm not joyful, does that make me a bad Christian? But what is joy? And that kind of came up in our group. Like, does joy mean like I'm supposed to walk around every day singing, oh, happy day. <laughs> and then, sorry, I'm just going to go on this rant and I'm going to be done. But part of our problem in evangelicalism is that we don't sing lament psalms. It could be. Yeah, and no, it's not. It, we don't. <laughs> so I wrote all, one and no all one liked of it. our all of our songs, all of our songs are happy for the exactly. most part. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's wrong to be, you know, right. Down. And so there's there's kind of a. So I actually just wrote down too, like under spiritual theology of emotions, because we don't really understand what our emotions are for. So mm-hmm. not until you just mentioned it did I think of the songs, but one of the most impactful. I mentioned music a minute ago. Mm-hmm. One of the po- I'm not going to make it through this. Um, mm-hmm. Being broken and being one of the most dramatic songs is is don't stop the chaos, don't stop the madness, right? Keep me broken, yeah. And then the very next song takes you up here to God, right? Lifts you up, right? And, and I, I just, I, I'm infected by it. It's tremendous. Mm-hmm. So, I would, I would agree with that because I think one of the hardest things for me during that season was not feeling like I could sing mm-hmm. in worship because. You know, that wasn't the place I was in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And recognizing, yeah. too, like, I remember Michael telling me, he said, just, like, this is the place you're in, so the only place you need to go to in Scripture yeah. right now is the Psalms. Like, don't try yeah. to read stuff that talk about being joyful. Like, go to the Lament <laughs> Psalms, yeah. because that's where you are, and that needs to be yeah. your prayer. Psalm and 42, so, I don't feel like worshiping. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I don't feel like going, I don't want to worship. <laughs> yeah. I think we're not to despair, which I think is what... Um, what was that verse she just said? It would be without faith. It yeah. would be, you know, like being sad without faith is despair. And I think that we do oh, have yeah. hope, you know. Mm-hmm. And so to not mm-hmm. stay in that place, but to keep moving to our place of hope is mm-hmm. what. And to not sin against others when mm-hmm. we're in that place. Mm-hmm. And also in Psalm 42, it says, You are my hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I can add the physical piece. Yeah, that's. Um, I feel like haven't we? And this is kind of my point. Haven't we already touched on every issue? Right. Already. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, because even like the comment about seasonal effective, like that's like environmental number one. Mm-hmm. 
Well, oh. it's physiological. Right. I mean, for me, it's been a, um, a loss of vitamin <laughs> D. Yeah. For me, it was a loss. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, the doctor said, oh, your vitamin D level's low. I was like, oh, well, I guess I better deal with well, it. Well, you know, and my, my parents moved to Arizona, and they have, don't have this problem anymore. Like, my mom <laughs> yeah. says, like, she oh, feels no, great. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, but I would say, like, Jerome mentioned sleep and eating, and kind of Julie added to that, like, you know, this, the eating is either going to manifest a weight gain or a weight loss that we need to be attentive to. Um, and the sleep could either be too much or too little. Um, and then there's obviously that chemical imbalance piece. Um, and the chemical imbalance piece seems to be like a, that's where like we, the solution would be kind of a pill piece, some sort of medical medication piece. But on like the sleep and the eating, things like exercise and physical activity to kind of, you know, especially with anxiety to kind of deal, do something with that energy and for those depressed, like to kind of get the endorphins pumping a little bit. And, um, we talked about, um, kind of Julie was talking about like, let's be attentive to sleep patterns. So like, are you staying up till two in the morning watching TV and then trying to sleep? It's not going to work. Like are you working out 20 minutes before and then wondering why, you know, like those kinds of things. Um, and then we even kind of talked about like when Jarrell mentioned that piece about serving others, um, you know, Steph said like, you might not emotionally be in the place that you could feel like you want to like get into a mentoring relationship. But, like, can you, like, go stock a food pantry? Can you, like, wash dishes after a church thing? Can you, is there something, like, can you move and set up yeah. tables just to kind of, like, get, like, your body moving um, and your ma- brain moving a little bit outside of yourself? Um, is kind of, I think is what a big piece mm-hmm. of what we talked about was. Your category of emotional is maybe the most ambiguous one, but <laughs> have you had way. any thoughts? Well, we said loss of any kind, job, location, mm. um, family, friends, and um, having too many changes at one time. Mm. Yeah. Lead to that. Almost like it's just a general, anything, a stressor or anything that's... Maybe two stressors at once. Yeah. Talked about pride and uh, also thinking patterns that we get into, the, like you said, ruts of thinking mm-hmm. patterns mm-hmm. can affect emotions and cause some things emotional. And just how much they're all interconnected to mm-hmm. you know, your environment, you know, your living conditions, or uh, abuse or whatever, you know, can then affect the emotions. Yeah. I think I overheard you saying, which is a term that my counselor said to me all the time, that your feelings need to be the caboose. Mm-hmm. Was that you? I mean, I learned that in, like, junior high, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's the train, and it's, like, your emotions and what you know and what your emotions are and it's like your emotions are a part of your life but it can't be your, the driving thing mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. it has always has to be the clues it can't be the engine mm-hmm. I love that so that like with with emotional then that can also be a theology thing so what's your what's your theology of emotions which is like <laughs> is your spiritual walk based on your feelings or is it based on truth right I think just the type of personality that you have too can plays a big thing you know if you're on just a really calm, even keel person. Anyways, mm. things don't affect you as much as someone who, you know, is very hyper emotional. I think that emotional piece, St. Augustine's big question always was, "What are you learning to love?" 
because um, his whole big thing was how do we order, like we need to order our loves appropriately and like, which is, which could be taken at the most crude like priorities, like how do we do that? But like with everything that we do, what are we learning to love? I think kind of becomes like the, like the ask, the question that you ask of the emotional piece, like through all of these experiences, what are you learning to love? Pros and physical, envi well, environmental, cir circumstantial situations that we talked about, which we've probably hit like half of them already. A lot of them tie into all the other ones as well. So, like, um, a lot of life changes uh, going to your death and family, moving, having an extra workload or changes in work, um, financial crisis mm -hmm. was a big one that we were um, thought was kind of large contributing factor for most people. Mm -hmm. um, divorce, uh, childbirth even, um, with postpartum. And uh, seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> 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 we didn't say hormones on her, or like hormonal stuff, or thyroid yeah. stuff, or whatever. And isn't that kind of the question, was a thyroid, is that an emotion, or is that a physical? Right, well, because like, or like, or what is? Affects yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's oh, yeah. physical. It's the start yeah. of it is a physical yeah. problem. Yeah, because it's not emotional. But it affects your emotions. Yes, yeah. yeah. yes, that's what I'm saying. All right, let's flip over to the to the back. Actually, let's start. Flip back. Let's do it. It is ten eleven, and we're gonna let you guys go fellowship. A little shortly, but um, I just kind of wanted to give maybe maybe two takeaways, um, and I like to the board. Um, we mentioned so I literally didn't even try this, but notice like I just kept drawing arrows between my boxes, <laughs> um, and one of my questions to you was, what is wrong with this way? of thinking, and the wrong thing is that there are boxes, right, right? And, and maybe some type of chart which demonstrates their overlap would be a better symbol of how these work. And so, if we go back to our case study with this girl named Katie, um, who is not representing anyone, we just made up a generic case study. It's not Katie Steiner. No, it's not Katie Steiner. <laughs> She's or Katie Grogan or Katie no, Rock. It's not Katie's that we know. <laughs> I made this person up. And while these categories don't have firm lines around them, it is helpful to think in these terms. And so I would say, Katie, it seems like physically this is happening, spiritually this is happening. And, and what, what seems to happen is if one of these... Um, let's say the spiritual, which I think in my case was spiritual to begin with. If if this kind of category gets out of whack, and then it kind of like affects like all of them, and you keep kind of like spiraling downhill, right? It's so like I'm not eating, I'm not sleeping because I'm so emotionally sad, which gives me no energy. So I don't do physical activity. So then I get more sad. Um, so then I'm not working, or I'm not disciplined, so I get behind on my work, which is stressful, and it just seems to all kind of pile on, on top of each other. And, and a great way to think of it is, like, how can we, how can we try to, like, stop this spiral? I'm not even saying getting back here. I'm saying how can we, how can we just try to stop the spiral? And it seems that, that focusing on one or two things from each category and saying, like, hey, I'm, twice a week I'm going to come, 
to your house at 7.30 and we're going to get up on time and we're going to go for a run. And I'm going to run with you and then I'm going to make you breakfast and you're going to eat a good breakfast. You know, and that's going to be my physical contribution to you. Mm. You know what I mean? Or, or I'm going to like write you encouragement notes to, to remind you every single day, like this is what God thinks of you. You know what I mean? And mm. um, But one thing, one of the things Bethany said was, my mom, like your mom just told you the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I know Kyle, Kyle told me the same thing over and over and over again. And like, you just need to be patient and say, I need to, like, if you disbelieve this, what I told you an hour ago, I will tell it to you again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so again and again and again and again. again, again, again. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, if we can kind of stop the spiral and start to slowly rebuild each of these categories and maybe we take a stress off of life or maybe, um, Maybe taking a vitamin D pill will help, you know? And and we kind of, like, slowly stop the spiral. And the good thing about the spiral is that it can rebuild itself, too, right? As If we kind of get this, the physical life in the way, it might help us think clearly, which helps us deal with problems better. And it kind of can spiral, spiral back up. Kind of with, like a slinky. With like a yeah. slinky. Which leads me to my to my final point is is what Bethany said I'm I'm doing better. Um, and we also mentioned hard things are for our growth, right? In our kind of theology of suffering. And so I think a question that we really need to answer is is like what what is this this like this doing better? Um. That's a question mark. Um, and it, if, because if we find ourselves down here, like where, where are we trying to get back to? And I would say we're not trying to get back to a state of always feeling happy all the time, you know. And um, if we don't steward well our suffering, suffering, we we may miss some of the beauty of it. For instance, your intimacy with God now. Absolutely. And and I don't think that our primary focus should be immediate escape um, which which can be something that goes along with like the medication like perspective of you're in pain you, sh- you need to get out of it so take this pill so you're out of the pain and that's like kind of an overly simplistic view of it and so I think we need to redefine what our better life is it's not necessarily being, <coughs> being rich it's not necessarily being happy all the time um, it's not void of suffering or pain, whether it be spiritual warfare or circumstantial or um, just the daily tasks of life, like doing the dishes and paying fifty dollars to fill up your car with gas. You know, that, and um, so yeah. Does anyone have any final? Uh, we didn't get to this final thing, but I, I think that you could probably fill in that chart yourself now. And, yeah, go. I was gonna say along with that. So like, what we didn't get to was. Like, how do you love somebody well who's going through this? And I think his point is, like, your goal is not to fix them or to get them out of it. But, like, some of the best things for me were people who just sat with me. Like, they didn't need to say anything. They didn't need to tell me how to change it. They just needed to sat with me. Sometimes they cried with me. They would make me go on walks, force me, even though I didn't feel like it. They would force me to eat they would just send me text messages with a verse or tell just tell me they were praying for me um some of the most harmful things were people who tried to fix things or like tell me like maybe your theology isn't blah 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 and that never really worked for me so i think 
that is you're not trying to fix the person, you're going to walk through it with them. Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, yeah. And pe people's presence, honestly, was the most healing, I would say, part of it. And if I can draw you back to a point we made earlier, it's practicing that spiritual hospitality that Henry Nouwen talked about by listening. Um, and I think that's that's really the real task of like this challenge. So. Yeah. Any questions? How about we pray, and if anybody has questions, they can stay after. Is that okay? Yeah, and just one yeah. comment for we have questions down at the bottom, questions to consider. Um, and we already kind of hit the first one. So one as Christians, to what extent should we seek to escape pain from our lives? I think there are times that we should seek to escape it. Uh, what theological significance does suffering have with our spiritual formation? And then secondly, if our view of healthy, if someone in Christ should suffer with someone who also is in Christ in this world, what does that say about the way that God interacts with us as a loving Father? And, mm. and is his posture trying to fix us? Is he distant and trying to wait, wait for us to figure it out? Or is he somehow near? And if he's near and if he loves us, then to what extent is he is he going through this with us? And to what extent does that kind of make it um, fuller or 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 better knowing that God is kind of like with us yeah. in this. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's a whole other topic. Mm. But Kyle, you want to close in prayer? And yeah, please. And go fellowship. Father, thank you for um, this time that we have to be together and to consider um, the plight um, that our, so many of our brothers and sisters are um, struggling with even in this very moment. Um, and as we go into worship this morning, we um, are struck by the thought that the people that sit next to us and near us um, are sad and anxious. Um, and Lord, we pray for those people this morning that you would um, uh, be uh, a balm to them in your presence this morning, that through worship and the teaching of your word and through prayer and through fellowship, Lord, that they would be encouraged, that they would be drawn nearer to you, um, that that would make them not better or not feeling perfect again, and that, but that, Lord, that they would have a sense of your presence this morning. And we pray for us that we would be people who listen well, who are patient um, in our compassion, um, and that are known as um, safe people to process with. So thanks for uh, Jarrell and for Bethany and the way that you've worked in their lives over the last year. Um, and we ask that you continue to do that and in all of us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.